listening to Fourth and Crawl, the podcast that suffered a season-ending injury to its brain or something. I don't know. You try coming up with a new intro every week. Anyway, here are your hosts, B. Michael Kroll and D.T. Carroll. Yeah, so Rogue One. Rogue One. Rogue One. Rogue One. It did not work for me. Really? Yeah. What didn't work about it for you? Basically, I had no emotional connection to the characters. Okay. You know, they had a real opportunity, I think, of this movie to kind of show the ground-level nature of the rebellion. And they did a little bit of that. I know. think they succeeded in that regard. Well, but I don't okay. know if it was necessarily emotionally resonant, but I did think they showed – like. In terms of, of showing what people lived under, as far as the oppression of the empire and okay, and oppression of the, the empire. I, I don't. I said, I'll stop, let me stop you right there. Okay. I didn't see a lot of oppression. I saw an occupying force, and the people were removing resources. Right. It was more implied than physically shown. I mean, we saw. We didn't really see like the work camp that Jyn Erso was being led to, and that that, that uh, transport. We did see like the starter destroyer looming over the city, and the fact that they completely obliterated that entire city just to make an example of it, just to you know, just to fuck with people. So it, it wasn't maybe any more emotionally resonant in than it was in the original trilogy, but it was there. I mean, we definitely saw more of what happened in the streets of cities that were occupied by the Empire. Well, but the but the emotion, but the original trilogy, you had a you had a personal vested interest in Luke. True. You see what I'm saying? I don't have that here. I know these, these characters. Okay, let me give you an example. Let me give you what I'm talking about, a little more specific. Um, Forrest Whitaker, his character, mm-hmm. right? He goes off, save the rebellion, save the dream. What's the dream? What does the rebellion stand for? What do they want? You know what I mean? I don't, okay, mm-hmm. I get the broad strokes. I want to get rid of the empire, but why? What, is their, what does their world look like in their perfect world? What's their vision they are fighting for? You know, if you're asking mm-hmm. me to buy, in, to buy into the dream, Right? What right. is it? And what? And that's important because it goes completely to uh, Jen Urso's uh, character review, uh, uh, switch, which happens in the middle of the goddamn movie, which doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I mean, why does she? Why does she change all of a sudden? You know what I mean? She mm-hmm. didn't care, and all of a sudden she's this big booster of it in the middle. I don't get that, and I don't get well, that because they didn't establish what I needed to see in the beginning of the movie in order for me to have this kind of reaction to it or have this kind of connection. Well, her character change comes from that revelation of watching the the hologram of her father and the fact that her, her father wasn't oh, just yeah. some asshole who abandoned her. He actually went to go work for the Empire because he knew the Death Star was going to be built regardless. So he purposely went to work for them to put that weakness in it so that the Rebellion could blow it up. That was what Saw Gerrera's, you know, Force Whitaker's character's dream was, was to to stop the Empire, to, to reinstate the Republic and end the oppression that he's been fighting for even as a, a radical, which is very interesting in and of itself in that movie, which I think was also brave of Disney. But no, Jen Erso's character arc comes in the fact that she learns that her father wasn't just some asshole who abandoned her to go work for the Empire. He was somebody who sacrificed everything, including his relationship with his daughter, so that he could have this one narrow chance to to bring the Empire down from the inside by you know, installing that, that weakness in the Death Star. Okay, first of all, let's get on that weakness. That totally – I don't like that. You know, mm-hmm. that really bothers me because it kind of it removes the ingenuity of the rebels in the in the in the original movie, right? You know, if you think about it, we can't we can't go like a month without having ha- have some major update to our smartphone because somebody figured something out, right? right? You can't. You're telling me that it's somehow less realistic that a bunch of people were looking for a or a bunch of smart people were looking for a potential weakness to exploit, like a hacker couldn't find that. 
You know, I don't like that. That kind of that kind of rings false. Secondly, the yeah, ho- it kind of does actually. I mean, there's that scene at the towards the end of A New Hope where uh, you know they've made it to to Yavin Four and they've delivered the Death Star plans and the dude with the beard, um, General Dadana. It's when they're having that conference and they're showing the you know the plans on a big screen behind them and they're saying like an analysis of the plans is revealed right. that we found a, a weakness. And now again, it's it's a lot to do with the fact that they're trying to retrofit all these retcons like 40 years after the fact, but. Yeah, it's it's a minor quibble for me, but I definitely agree with what you're saying yeah. as far as that retcon kind of deflating the Rebels' victory because somebody else had already maybe laid the groundwork for it. Okay, and secondly, that hologram, right? He's mm-hmm. telling her all this? Okay, first of all, he's a smart guy, right? Mm-hmm. And he's just broadcasting his entire plan in plain English to somebody? Yeah. I mean, that, 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 does not, that does not fit either. Secondly, like what you're saying is her arc involves her father. Okay, so she kind of... First of all, I didn't see she didn't seem particularly busted up that he left, you know, and this is now supposed to get her on board the rebellion. Okay, I can I can, get, I can accept the fact that maybe this hologram would get her to be feel okay about her father. Mm-hmm. Fine, perfect. How does that get her from being someone who doesn't give a shit about what goes on in the rebellion to someone who's like this major rah 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 cheerleader who would endanger her life to go on this mission? Because she's somebody who's been abandoned her entire life. Like, she's felt abandoned by her father, and then she felt abandoned by... There was a scene in the movie where she's talking with Saw Guerrera, again, Forrest Whitaker's character, about how he abandoned her, too, to go and fight, and he left her behind. And she's just felt like she's been left in the dust by all these people she cared about. And so learned that her father, who she thought abandoned her, actually did so to go and actually fight the Empire, to, to serve some sort, of, some sort of a cause, and to try and preserve the future for her and for everybody else in the galaxy... It, it, it flips a switch in her. That part worked for me. That that part I, I totally understood. You know, it's it going did. from feeling abandoned to realize that the people who keep leaving you are doing it to try and protect you and to try and protect everyone else and try and fight for a cause. That'd be enough to get anybody riled up. And, okay, and yeah, it'd be getting riled up. Side, but why would they put themselves at risk? I see what you're saying. And if it was about, if it was about a family resolution, then yeah, that would be the, the ultimate completion of her arc. But mm-hmm. she goes from how, but she can. You, I don't buy that she would change that that drastically to go do something she didn't have to do. You know what well, I, mean? I mean? You've also got to fit the whole thing. Why does thing she have to do this particular movie, job? So. <laughs> what? Well, I mean, because she was already ingrained in it. It's 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 more or less sort of her family legacy. Like, why yeah. does Luke care enough to go and fight the Empire to become a Jedi? It's because he learned his father was one. It's no, he because he he had no other choice. He was his family was killed by people. It became personal for him. Yeah. His dad was his dad was his dad was uh, you know a side thing, mm-hmm. you know he had a personal reason to go after the, or actually he was just trying to get he was just going to hang, hang out with Obi Wan, you know right. he that's when they got captured by Death Star blah 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 right, mm-hmm. it's not the same thing here, it's a matter of circumstance though I mean it's I I would argue that Jin Erso's motivation for flipping and going join the rebellion is maybe not as strong as Luke's just because Luke literally had no choice. But I think the fact that Jen Urso had the choice and she made the choice to become part of the rebellion is, is pointed as well. Yeah. But why? That's, that's the thing. I, I'm just hanging up on why, because, because your dad's in her hologram. Hey, sorry, I left you. You know, <laughs> I had to go do a gig. And you know, it's a thing. I could see maybe buying a, a resolution from her father issues, but that does not follow that a relationship, a relationship that gets resolved would turn you into somebody who gives a shit all of a sudden about something else that's extraneous to that relationship. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but I, I think it does. I think it would be a motivator for anybody to learn that, you know, your father was actually 
laying the groundwork for this rebellion to try and save the galaxy and, and for you to kind of pick up that mantle and decide that's going to be your legacy as well. I think that's poignant. I think that's, that's a valid. I don't know. I, it didn't work for me. And also what, why'd that guy not kill uh, Mads Mikkelsen? Who Krennic? Yeah, no Krennic. Um, uh, uh, sexy French guy. What was, what was his name? That's the other thing. I don't know who these fucking people are. I've seen the movie twice. I don't know their names. Sexy French guy. Uh, the, the, the captain Cassian, that dude. Oh, Cassian Andor. I don't know. That was one thing that didn't that was actually didn't work for me either because literally the first scene with Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna, the first thing we see of him is him shooting and killing he's a ruthless his associate. Asshole. Yeah, he shoots and kills his associate because he knows that guy's gonna slow him down and he's not gonna be able to escape with the information he has. Right. And then after that we see him shoot one of the rebel extremists on Jeddah to to protect his friends and blows him up with a grenade. And then after that, we see that somehow now he's got a conscience and he can't complete his mission. He can't shoot Galen Urso, Jin's father, and and you know do the right thing. What well allegedly what could have been the right thing for the rebellion. That that was one character arc that didn't really resonate with me. I'll give you that. Yeah. Okay. Another thing, Bodhi, the the, the Imperial pilot, right? Mm-hmm. Why did he go help Galen? Right. Here's uh, the thing. He's, Galen he's, was this super charismatic Mads Mikkelsen motherfucker who could just talk everybody at anything. I guess I don't know. He was somebody that there was a scene on the ship where uh, where Bodhi Rook is talking about the fact that you know he was talking to Galen and Galen convinced him you know very emphatically to to join the rebellion because it was time for him to do something with his life to do something of value and to fight against the, the repressive uh, oppressive right. you know empire. And so, I can buy that as I can buy that. If I see it, you're, yeah. asking, you're asking me to buy an emotion with somebody. I don't see it. I don't think it's transformation. This is not like a minor dude. This guy goes and joins a rebellion. It puts himself a personal, a serious personal risk for what? And at the end, he's like, you know, for Galen. I don't get that. I don't have, I don't see any relationship there. Why would I care about that? It but, is, it is thin. I'll give you that. There's but, a lot of leaps of faith in this movie. Well, that's the thing. I think this movie it's in my opinion, it's a missed, it's a missed exercise. Now, let, me, let me go. Let me, let me make one thing perfectly clear here. Mm-hmm. All right, this is not me with a checklist, right? Saying, you know, they need to do this, they need to do that, they need to do that, whatever. This is right. me saying at the very end, I had no connection to any of these people whatsoever. And, and in DT, I am an easy kill when it comes to movies, right? <laughs> I I will buy an emotion just about anything. I am such a simpering mess. So it's a lot of time. I mean, I cried a Titanic. <laughs> for like the first four times I saw it and I was an adult. Okay. Yeah. I will buy in if you give me something. These people didn't give me anything. You know? Okay. What about uh what about Chirut and uh Baze Malbus? You know, Donnie Yen and another guy. That was the the blind dude and okay, the, dude yeah, with the that's big heavy repeating blaster. Again, I've seen this movie twice. I have no fucking idea what this is all about. <laughs> and secondly, like, what are the guy okay, I called him like, you know, the blind dude and the dude with the big gun. All right. <laughs> Now I don't know their names. That's a problem with the movie. Now, what yeah. did the guy with the big gun want? What was his whole scheme with this? Just hang out the blind dude? Why? Well, because they were – well, uh, they did explain the fact that the blind dude, Chirrut, played by Donnie Yen, he was, uh, he was a keeper of the uh, the temple on Jeddah, which was okay. a, a sacred ground. Like think of it as like Jerusalem or, or something like that or right, right, yeah, whatever. So he was a keeper of that temple and, you know, knowledge of the Jedi and all that shit. <clears throat> and the Empire moved in because that planet was uh, like like a mining ground for the crystals they needed to power the Death Star. So those two guys were pushed out of their jobs as being protectors of that temple, and they were living on the streets, basically. Those two so guys were, or just the one guy? 
Because I, I, no, was, I don't know that uh, the, due to the big gun had any. Had, due had, to the big gun may have been. He was more or less a skeptic. I think he was more or less just good friends with with the blind dude. So they were both pushed out. They were living on the streets, but that was still their home. It's it's the only place they'd ever known. When the empire blew it up, they were like, okay, let's go fucking kill some imperials. So again, it's it's thin, but their motivation makes sense for me too because there are a couple of dudes that have lost everything, and you know they believe in good, so they're just going to go kill a bunch of bad guys to try and bring the good back. Yeah, see, I, I don't, I didn't really, I couldn't buy into that relationship because it was so thin. It did nothing mm-hmm. for me when they died at the end. Yeah. You know, that's the thing, like, this it's a solid B minus C plus movie in my opinion because of the story. I mean, I think visually, I was one of the best looking Star Wars movies we think we've ever had. Oh, it was amazing. It was visually yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. And this it just the story didn't make any sense. I think that's because it was they had to do a bunch of crazy ass reshoots. I mean, you're right. You can it's it's all there to a degree. Mm-hmm. But I'm not seeing any of it. They're not showing me any of it. And it's such a simple thing that can be solved. You know? Like I don't know. Like I wasn't really clear on why anybody was really doing anything. I mean, it just seemed like if you're doing, if you want to do a, do you want to do a heist movie, right? Mm-hmm. There are ways to structure a heist movie, and then we didn't get any of that. You know, if your whole theme of the movie seemed to be about hope, okay, I get that. So the best, the main character, the chick character, Jen, I guess her name is, mm-hmm. you know, should be should the whole like I think you know Mads Mikkelsen and Krennic should have been folded folded into one character that should have killed the fucking father aspect right that that was dumb you want to have a heist character you know you, you have a thief with no conscience develop a conscience with it over the over the end of the towards the end of the movie okay. that's a powerful arc mm-hmm. and that would have worked i know? agree yeah, yeah. i and can that, see what you're, i can see where you're going with that yeah yeah and it just it's just such a, you could have seen you know we could have seen like the ground view grounds eye view of the rebellion you know what did the common people want because right. you know, we didn't really see that in, this, in the original Star Wars movies. Like, we're always seeing the top view. We're seeing the general's eye view of everything because the Skywalkers. And for whatever reason, the Skywalkers are just involved in every goddamn thing that's ever happened in the galaxy. <laughs> you know? Every significant yeah. event, the Skywalkers. What are you, the Bush family? Anyway, so moving on. <laughs> but we didn't, we didn't get – and we saw a little bit of that, and we just could have seen more. It could have been a, a much better thing is my point. You know? And it's a shame. Because, uh, you know, I mean, I guess you would enjoy it, but, you know, what do you know, really? And, uh, you know, I just really want want to be taken over by this movie. I I lost it. It just didn't do anything for me. Yeah, I hear you. And it's It's, depressing. Yeah, I I liked it, honestly. I I enjoyed it. I felt the... And the first 40 minutes were boring. Were you not kind of bored with that? The first 40 minutes, I was enthralled. I love the fact that for the first 40 minutes of that movie... That whole galaxy felt broader and and more yeah that was good and more detailed and more varied than anything we've seen in like the past thirty years. Oh. Like I loved everybody complained about the planet hopping and too much going. On. I'm like fuck yeah, show me another planet, show me another ATST <laughs> wandering through the streets blowing people up. Like that's what I fucking want to see. I want to see the ground level stuff, the stuff that's happening behind the scenes. I want to see weird little intricate details like there being like a temple on a planet dedicated to the jedi and there's like dudes who are force sensitive but aren't jedi but still believe in the force and i loved all the weird little like that little attack run that you know the x-wings flying through the uh the canyons blowing up that that installation where uh where uh galen urso was stationed oh yeah like, that made no goddamn sense either but i we'll love that, that shit yeah but, but i loved it i love the fact that the galaxy just felt so much bigger than it has in like the last four or five movies no, I agree with you there. I think that's that, that needed to happen, mm-hmm. right? And I like and I like that too. It was a little dull. The planet hopping was a little bit much. 
I think they could have done a little, a little, a little tighter. Again, it comes back to the story. I could have done a, a tighter story, you know, um, mm-hmm. uh, tighter. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. It could have made the story tighter. It's what I'm trying to say, I guess. Right. And they didn't. Um, but I guess if it works for you, it works for you. Uh, it seems to be doing well. Uh, you know, I, again, I think it kind of falls back to a lot of geeks who want to eat shit, pretend it's filet mignon, you know. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, again, the last battle, why was that battle happening? You know, I can kind of see... Like I strategically, I was confused. Like why they were why they were doing what they were doing, mm-hmm. you know. It just seemed like they could have played. You know, they had, could have had the same thing happen for different reasons, and it would have been much stronger. And then the, the, the Darth Vader pun. Oh my god, that's the kind of shit you see in the Simpsons spinoff spectacular. That was that was a little bit much. I I I understood what they were going with. They wanted to you know they wanted to have a line in there that was something along the lines of you know I find your lack of faith disturbing. Like Vader was quippy. He wasn't. Like a comedian, he wasn't yeah, he out was, there like making jokes, but he was he was clever. He would get under your skin and say something that would just kind of fuck with your head a little bit. But, but yeah, it you was know, never that. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations while he's physically choking somebody. That was a little bit much. That was a much. That but the, but I'll say this: the end with Vader. See that 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 little tunnel sequence at the end, or the that was is that a tunnel? They call them tunnels in spaceships. Uh, it was a hallway. Hallway, yeah. Hallway, yeah. The hallway sequence was amazing. Yeah. And because yeah. we had we had plain emotional stakes, we had plain we had, we had the characters involved had wants, and Darth Vader was a clear antagonist and a clear menace. Mm-hmm. That's exact. That's a microcosm of what that this whole movie should have been. I will agree with you there. Yeah, I, I felt like even Krennic, for what he was, wasn't really that much of a credible threat. I think it was more just the looming idea of the Death Star they were light on as being right. a villain. Um, and, and it's difficult to, like you said, to create a tight cohesive narrative when you don't have a defined villain you just have the concept of a villain floating around yeah it's it's not it's not sharp but uh... right yeah i'll tell you one thing though that whole scene um not necessarily the pun at the end of that conversation but the scene of you know vader's castle and mustafar and the scene where he's in a back to tank and yeah the electric comes down and you, you see him like that's one of the, the i think one of the most impressive and creepy visuals we've seen in any star wars movie since empire like that's more shit i wanted to see you know like, yeah. that's like should I imagine, like, you know, when I was a kid, like, where does Vader live? Like, how does he survive? Like, what's he doing to to keep himself healthy and alive? And what kind of weird, you know, Frankenstein shit is going on behind the scenes of this dude? And that's exactly what I wanted to see. Like, I think that might have been my favorite shot of the whole movie, and it made me feel like a seven-year-old again. It was awesome. Yeah, I think it's funny that people of a certain age spend a lot of time wondering about where Darth Vader lives. You know? Why not though? I mean, he's such. <laughs> well, it was under, it was not defined in the first. It, that's what's the great thing about the original trilogy is that it kind of lets your mind wander, especially between like you know the first and second movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it been really cool. You know, but yeah, I mean, I think they, that's something that the prequels kind of failed to do is to you know maintain what made the original trilogy so mysterious and interesting, but also kind of fill in the blanks. Right. And I feel like maybe even the Force Awakens kind of failed in that regard. I feel like. In terms of, of storytelling, and well, you disagree, but even characters, I think that like Gareth Edwards gets Star Wars more than J.J. Abrams does. No, I disagree. Makes... Okay, I disagree with you there because here's the thing: I don't know a thing about Poe Dameron except the fact I want to see more movies with him, right? Whereas I can't tell you anything about the people in Rogue One really, but yeah. I don't have any sense of like kinship with them. I have no rapport with them, so I don't really care what happens to them. Well, Paul Dameron also had the convenience of not being in, you know, a, a, a cast of like nine people all running around desperately planet hopping over and over no, but, again. 
but the character. But, but yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like, I think that's due mostly in part to um, the actor's ability to portray that character as well, though. I, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to work with. And I kind of get the feeling he's going to get an expanded role in the other two movies because he was so charismatic. Yeah. Like, I want, like, a full movie of just Poe Dameron and Finn flying around shooting shit and, <laughs> and clipping with each other. You know? Uh, yeah, that would be cool. And what else is cool is uh, keeping segments on time. So let's take a break. <laughs> and <laughs> We'll bring Alex in and uh, hey, we'll talk some sports in the other side. I don't know. But anyway. We have to talk about football. Let's let's, let's just call the season over, man. It, it's it, over. It is. But anyway, we'll bring Alex <laughs> in and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll address that on the break. We'll see you soon. Comedian Alexandria Love here with your 60 second culture pop. Let's pop that sad little balloon, shall we? What a year. While I know we all just want to say fuck 2016, the truth is bad things don't happen in a vacuum. 2017 is not going to be better just because it's a new year. Life gets harder the older you get. If you're lucky, and I would know. I turned 24 this year. But you have to admit, this year has been eventful, to say the least. Cubs won the World Series, and that was even the third biggest upset of the year. Let's take a look back at the top news stories of 2016 and see if we can't find something to sell. Let's start with the Cubs. The Chicago Cubs pulled off a bigger upset victory than LeBron James's hairline this year, but not as big as a jolly orange giant and the wicked witch of the West Wing. That's right, Jonathan Clinton arguably pulled off the most upsetting upset since Goliath, which is Letty Kravitz's nickname for his junk. Kanye West went full crazy this year, starting with the life of Pablo and ending with the life of, oh no, this nigga's insane. If you're a fan of terrorist attacks, you probably had an all right year. Brussels, France, Aleppo, France again, Berlin, and of course we cannot forget about the water crisis in Flint. Well, we can't forget it, and we did. Maybe we should just get some awesome shirts like those folks over at Standing Rock. We're never going to forget about that one. And of course, we cannot forget about all of these celebrity deaths. Bowie, Rickman, Vic, Ali, Prince, Wilder, and then ending, hopefully, with a one-two punch of Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Singing in the Rain is my favorite movie of all time, and also there's nothing more awesome than me than a princess with a gun, so those two hit me pretty hard. But dying one day after your daughter sounds like some plea bullshit my mom would try to pull. Like, I'll die, and I'll be like, bye, I'm going to heaven. My mom's all like, nah, nigga, we going to heaven. One on a jacket, it's cold up in them clouds. BuzzFeed tallied up 44 celebrity deaths this year. Barack Obama is the 44th president of the United States. That sounds like a prophecy. Where's Miss Clea when you need her? Oh, right, she died this year, too. Stay woke, sheeple. But hey, this year wasn't all bad. At least we know where all the racists live now. Spoiler alert, everywhere. San Franciscans like to treat racism like earthquakes or homeless people and pretend like they don't exist. While the bridge still collapsed, Trump still won, and we're all still going to hell. But at least we know the entertainment in hell is going to be fucking sweet. And now, the last culture pop joke of 2016. Serena Williams got engaged this week to Reddit founder Alexis Ohanian. Turns out the nerd does get the girl if the nerd is really, really hot and a multimillionaire. I call it the Big Bang Theory. For those of you heartbroken over Serena being off the market, I'd like to remind you that I'm still single. I'm a lot like Serena, except I don't have a six-pack, I have no sponsorship deals, and instead of four gold medals, I'll make my money talking about your penis on stage in front of strangers. And you can file that under A for 
And that was your 60 seconds. Consider your culture caught in the Twilight Zone. And that was Alex. Ha ha ha! That's <laughs> yeah. <what> I... <laughs> yeah. We 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 need to stop doing that. I want to get an email from her, like you know, screw you. I'm like, all right, I'll have to find someone else to do that. We so, do seem like we're coming off as disingenuous. Well, and like... we're not. We we we're super appreciative, and I think she's hilarious. So yeah, I'm just it's... it's awkward trying to come back from her. I mean, we we kind of we ride along. And then the show hits this incredible peak right in the middle, and then we have to like come back and be like, "So, uh, fucking Aaron Rodgers, yeah. you know?" <laughs> exactly. It's also what it's more about for me is I have no idea what she's going to send me yet, mm-hmm. so I can't really react to that. So it's like, right. You know, right. it's like, hey, Alex is sending. It's like sometimes I'm like I'm listening to her stuff for the first time, I'm like, oh, that was that was kind of aggressive, you know? <laughs> which is fine. It's why that's why I like about it. I, I I don't want it, I don't want that to change. So if you actually ever do listen to this podcast, Alex. <laughs> don't change anyway so because we we're so engaged in rogue one the discuss discussing rogue one not that i was actually engaged in that movie um oh yeah by the way there was like some line from that robot who's like you constantly act in surprising ways jen i almost like like shout out the movie like yes exactly that's a problem <laughs> problem the robot gets it robot feels me anyway so we're ready for your rapid fire segment dt I'm ready for the rapid fire segment. Okay. Um, oh, okay. No, I, I was looking at my notes. I'm like, I can't read my handwriting. So number one, would you play Romo this weekend? I would absolutely play Romo after maybe the first quarter, maybe the first half. I, I think Cowboys have already clinched the division. They've already clinched the, the number one seed. They're going to have the, the buy. They're going to host the playoffs. There's no reason to risk Dak. And I would even, I would even sit Zeke Elliott at at this point too there's just no reason to 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 do it okay so you would play romo and risk him being injured than having to guarantee him 19 million next year yeah okay honestly at this point i'd rather risk romo because if he's going to get injured he's going to get injured i would risk romo than risk Dak prescott getting hurt because Dak prescott is your boy in the in the playoffs that's just how it is like from a, from a, but from a business perspective you know on the hook for romo's 19 million guaranteed and you couldn't trade him then Oh fuck it! Let's just say bench Romo and put Sanchez in. Let Sanchez get murdered. I think that's just what they're doing. They activate. I'm, I'm good with yeah. I'm good with uh, with sacrificing Sanchez. Yeah. <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> to to whatever demon you want. Oh <laughs> yeah, they 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 activated the Sanchez, which is why this was kind of came up. I'm like, oh, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would do that. I would play Sanchez, and I would just sit both Dak and and uh, and Romo. Okay. Question two. Here's kind of a two-part question. Over the weekend, or the last couple of days, uh, the Patriots have announced the, you know, kind of offhand, announced the starting price for a Jimmy Garoppolo trade, a first and a four. So to you, Mr. Carroll, would you A, make that trade, and B, who, what team do you think would make that trade? For a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick? First and a four. I would not make that trade. Why not? He's not worth that. He's just not a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick. Fuck that. You're basically like mortgaging off your 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 team's future. I mean, I honestly think if you're that desperate that you're going to give around give away a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick, you're going to probably draft a quarterback who probably be just as good in this draft class. And if you're going to do that, then you may as well just trade up and get somebody like you know like like Clemson's quarterback or somebody that you know is actually going to be able to transition into an NFL, you know, scheme and actually be a decent quarterback out the gate. Garoppolo, I think is honestly still an, 
an unmeasured quantity. I don't think we know exactly what he's capable of, and I don't think he's worth that yet. I don't. Well, but he's actually, unlike those guys, that guy you just mentioned from Clemson, he's actually taken snaps in the NFL and played a game, actually beaten our Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, but, I mean, is that really something you'd want to, like, wear on your hat this season? Well, it surprised the hell out of everybody when he did it, yeah, including I mean, us. <laughs> and we're, and we're that's, analysts. That's Honestly, it's the Garoppolo wins. I don't want to take anything away from the kid, but I, I think it's honestly more – Bill Belichick knowing what he's got and how to handle it and making something from nothing than it is Jimmy Garoppolo being this amazing NFL quarterback that's worth a first-round pick. Well, but don't you think someone else could have the same line of thinking that we could make something out of Jimmy Garoppolo? Sure, but I think it would take a large amount of hubris to think that. And, yeah, there's probably a team out there who thinks that, honestly. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, a large amount of hubris, yeah, that's nowhere near, you know, there's you cannot find hubris in any NFL head coach ever. Yeah, that's I mean. Just, that just doesn't happen. <laughs> Bunch well, of humble I mean, guys, is, those guys. What? This is, this is an interesting thing to go off on a tangent on, though. I mean, which teams – we should we should discuss which teams might right. actually be interested. Maybe the Jets, the Jaguars. I don't think the Jaguars should keep uh, Bortles. I don't think that's that's in their best interest. Um, I think they desperately need the draft pick, so I don't think they'd give away a first for Garoppolo. But Well, that's, here's a, what complicates it with, uh, with old Jimmy G, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's got skills. I think he can play at the NFL level. I think that much has been proven. You know, it's not like a situation with Colin Kaepernick where he was, you know, his skills were always kind of like, you know, iffy whether they're actually right. ever going to show up. I think Garoppolo right. has proven he can do that. Uh, the problem with Garoppolo making this trade right now is that this, uh, the 2017 season, the next season coming <laughs> up after this one, after that he's a free agent. Right. So you have to make that trade, and then you got to, you know, if you make the trade, then you got to sink in all this money to keep right. it. Right. And that's the quality. I mean. I'd be take I'd willing to take a flyer on him like a couple of years ago. You know what I mean? Like if it was like a year ago when he was coming up, I would maybe make that trade because you're going to give up a first round pick for a quarterback, starting quarterback anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So that just becomes your draft pick. But then you get a couple of years to see what's going on. The rookie weight scale is not that big a risk. But here you are, you're taking a risk on the trade, and you got to sign into a giant contract. I would not make that. I would not make that trade. I'd, no, I'd I wouldn't wait. make a trade either. That that whole situation makes me wonder what Bill Belichick is looking for in the future quarterback for the Patriots. Because uh, Tom Brady's got maybe two or three years left in him before he he may just retire. I mean, it, it might speed things up if they actually win the Super Bowl this season. But if Bill Belichick is is already announcing, you know, the dowry price for this backup quarterback, <laughs> dowry. Then, what is he looking for that he doesn't see in Garoppolo? That's what that's what makes me question the whole thing. That's why one of the main reasons why I wouldn't take that trade. As, as far as the case of Chandler Jones being traded to the Cardinals for a second-round pick, that was because Chandler Jones is a really good player, and he's about to command a very large asking price. We'll see if the Cardinals franchise tag him next season. Oh, they will. But, it, but they have to. They're not going to be able to afford him. But it was a good thing for Belichick because he doesn't like spending a lot of money. Not on one key player like that. He wants to spread it around, play his options. He'll bring in free agents. He'll mix and match that team because he's one of those coaches they can take any number of combinations of players and make something out of it, especially in that division. But if he's already shopping around his backup quarterback that we've seen can take snaps and be productive in the NFL, why doesn't he want to keep him? Next one question. I mean, I, he's an NFL mastermind, and he's somebody who is has had a massive amount of success in this league. <clears throat> and if he doesn't want this quarterback, if the season's not over yet, and he's already saying, who wants to buy this quarterback from me? I mean, dude, dude, 
Bill, what's wrong with him? Like, <laughs> hmm. we're going to roll him off the lot and all four tires are going to pop and the transition's going to fall out or something. Like, what's wrong with this quarterback that you don't want to keep him? I don't know. I, I wouldn't make the trade. I wouldn't. Okay. Well, then... Um, I would I would wait for free agency and then see what he thinks he's worth and then try and pick him up. That's what I think, that's what I, that's what I think people are probably going to do because, you know, the timing... I think, you know, again, like I said before, if it was two, a year ago, I'd take a flyer on the kid maybe, mm-hmm. but not at that price, not having to give him a guaranteed contract afterwards, or at least an NFL level that quarterback counted, uh, yeah. contract. Uh, when he does hit free agency, because he will be an attractive, uh, he's an attractive quantity. Sure, but not yeah. for a first and fourth round no. pick. Like, so he'll, he'll you, definitely, be, definitely be attractive in free agency. Where do, you think where do you think he'll end up? I think he might uh, end up with the Broncos, frankly. I, I don't know. It all depends on his asking price. Mm-hmm. And uh, how everything shakes out after next season, I don't know. We'll see. I can see the Cardinals making a run for him too. Uh maybe depending on his asking price. I mean, you know, the Cardinals' offense is is not dissimilar from the Patriots' offense. So I mean, they it's very you know deep ball, like you know deep ball, you know cannon arm, you know right. centric, and that's what Bruce Arians likes to run. The asking price is there, then yeah, I can see that being a possibility. Okay. Now, third and final question, as always, in the rapid-fire segment, there is a correct answer. So, I'm going to lay this out to you. I don't think I've asked this before, but I might have. If I have, then, you know, it gives you a second chance to get it right. All right. <laughs> What's the best ice cream flavor? Oh, fuck. That's, wow. Yeah. Um. Shit. I gotta go with one of the Ben and Jerry's flavors, like one of the really obscure ones, like the one with like the fudge and the pieces of chocolate and cookie dough and all that shit mixed together. <laughs> I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> okay, well you got that one wrong. Uh, the correct answer is vanilla. Vanilla. Because <laughs> vanilla can do anything with vanilla. You can do anything with it. It's so versatile. It yeah. is. It's versatile. Fuck vanilla. Vanilla is boring. Oh, you're boring. All right. So, what else happened this week in the NFL? The, the, the Rex Ryan brothers. The Rex Ryan brothers. Or the Bob Ryan Rex brothers. Ryan. The Rex Ryan. They got yeah. fucking fired again, just like we fucking said they would. Yeah, I mean, everyone we predicted to get fired. Uh, we did we predict Fisher would get fired at some point? We in the did. Beginning? We practically begged for them to be fired for him to be fired, and it happened. Yeah, Gus Bradley as well. He was just recently fired a couple right. of weeks ago. They're not even waiting till Black Monday anymore. I know, man. It's it's brutal. Yeah, they're just like up and, you know, we're done with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Ryan brothers, they're a couple of fuck-ups. Like, when Rex yeah. Ryan, when they got halfway through the season, they conceded victory of the division of the Patriots. I was like, dude, that motherfucker's gone. Like, you don't do that. You don't You don't say, well, we, we give up. We just can't beat the Patriots. We're just not good enough. Like, that just deflates your entire team, your entire staff, and just calls your entire season a wash. Like, you don't do that and keep your job. Yeah. Well, you know, also, he was. they were underachieving. And you gotta think those those people. I mean, I I don't I don't obviously have any inter- interactions with them whatsoever. But they look like the two of the most irritating people in the sport of football. We're just saying quite a lot. Yeah, no, and they I, just seem like they'd be insufferable to be around. Right, especially when they're having problems with their defense and they fired the offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. Who who is now, by the way, the head coach of the team? That's funny. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah, the, <laughs> the guy they hired. Yeah, but uh, so here's a question for you. Do you think, um, I mean, Rex Rex Ryan, who knows what's going to happen, but do you think Rob Ryan ever gets a chance to be a head coach? No, absolutely not. Not after he failed in the Saints and the way he's failed this time around. Yeah, I, he, I just don't see it ever happening. He's kind of failed. Like, like Rex has had some success with the New York Jets. You think, okay, he, he might, we might have something here, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, Rob Ryan, he never had that. And he never, no. I don't think he ever will. 
Which I don't know. Is that a shame? I don't know. I, those the Ryan brothers need to go away. I, I think they need to go away, just like Jeff Fisher needs to just go away and not get another job. I don't think they're good for the sport. I, I think it's they revel in me- mediocrity and failing upwards and just holding teams back from from greatness. I think they just need to go away. They're not meant to be coaches in the NFL. The only reason they keep finding jobs is because there's such a, a limited amount of people out there that have the qualifications. Right. But when you failed at it so many times, are you still legitimately qualified to keep getting work? Well, the problem is you're looking for experience. You know, it's easy. It's general manager. Okay. Okay. Let me back up here. Let me, I, I think I figured out my thought. If you had noticed, <laughs> I kind of am a talker. So I, I clear out my thoughts by, by speaking <laughs> them aloud, which is just great for a person doing a podcast. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's like that old angsome, right? You never get fired for, for buying Microsoft, right? right? Same with the head coach in the NFL. I mean, you can make an argument that Rex Ryan, you know, has, has the success as a head coach. You can say, you know, look, he's had success. It might not have been a good situation in Buffalo, but he did well in the New York Jets. Let's give him a chance here. That way, you know, they come back at you with, with as, you know, what happened to your head coach sucks. Like, hey, you know, who else are we going to get? You know, right. Bill Belichick is not returning my phone calls. Right. Right, so I think Rex might get a chance, but I don't, not for a while though. I mean, I can't see like what other team would give it give him a chance now. Uh, I don't think anybody at this point, unless they're absolutely horribly desperate, like maybe the Browns. Like if Hugh Jackson, you know, disappears and is never heard from again, <laughs> they might bring Rex in just as like a like a stopgap for a season. But no, I don't see anybody ever again looking at Rex Ryan thinking, you know, we might be able to actually win with this guy. Like he's just not that guy. He's just not that guy. He's not the, the head coach that's going to rally this team, rally any team, and, and take them to a victory, like a championship or even a divisional championship. He's just not a good coach at all. What? Uh, what? Team, who? Who fires the next coach? What happens on Black Monday? Uh, I would honestly really like to see Hugh Jackson from the Browns get fired. I think it's time. I think that <laughs> that team, those fans, that entire organization has suffered so much. They need to make some big moves and change some shit up. Um, who else? Uh, I think Chuck Pagano needs to go. I think Jim Ursay needs to die, but I think Chuck Pagano needs to go first. <laughs> He's just way too fucking conservative for having a quarterback that fucking good to just wash out season after season after season. Um, I think Pagano's gone. Pagano's I think, like Pagano. Yeah, I, I think he's. I think he's got to be. I, I don't see a reason to keep him around anymore. He's. He's. He's an empty body. He's just somebody there, like an empty soul, just wearing the headset and going through the motions. He really is. Like, he's he's just bad. He's he's utterly ineffectual with that team. He just needs to go away. Uh, Chip Kelly, I see getting fired, too. There's no reason to keep him in San Francisco. I don't think Jed York, for his impatient and a big an asshole he is, I don't think he'll suffer Chip Kelly another season. Well, Chip Kelly, um, it's interesting because they talk about this. I mean, what I, I think the general manager, I forget his name, uh, Trent Balky, yeah, that's him. I think he's gone. So yeah, then you have so. a situation like with New York Jet and uh, the New York Jets when uh when Woody Johnson fired uh, Rex Ryan's uh, general manager who was that guy do you remember his name? Shit no no <laughs> yeah it was uh, they fired the general manager and then they had uh, they kept the uh, you know the the new guy didn't keep uh, kept on uh, Rex Ryan for a year even though they kind of assumed that if you're you're a general manager you want to bring in your own guy because you're gonna be ultimately judged your success or failures by judged by your head coach. Right. You know, why, why hit your wagon to Rex Ryan in the Jets? I don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that yeah, I, I probably agree with you. I think that maybe um, I don't know. I think maybe John Fox 
John Fox. I was just going to suggest John Fox too. I, I've never been a fan of John Fox. He's somebody I kind of put in the same column as Chuck Pagano. As a Broncos fan, watching John Fox just be a horribly, incredibly conservative in his play calling and holding that team back because of his own inability to to be progressive and, and inventive with his players, the Bears are never going to go anywhere with a head coach like that either. They need somebody who's just going to revitalize that team, turn things around, mix things up, and try different things because. What they've been trying for the last several years is just not working. No. So, well, no, I think John Fox needs to go away for a little while, too. Do you think uh, Cutler retires? I don't think Cutler's a bear next season. I don't know if he retires. I think the Where team the cuts he, uh, loose. Where's he going to go? I don't know. He'll find some place. <laughs> um, he's one of those players like, like Tony Romo where he may as well just retire, but he's not done playing despite the fact that he seems like he might be. Um I don't know where he lands. I don't know if he lands as a starting quarterback anywhere. I think he wouldn't – I don't think he would He would entertain any offers of being a backup quarterback anywhere unless he absolutely had to. But right. you could tell the guy is just not fucking happy in Chicago. He's just not. <laughs> he just doesn't seem happy anywhere. It would be fucking weird if he went back to Denver and found success with Denver and played really well because Denver got rid of him the first time. But yeah. I don't see him being a bear next season. I don't see it. I don't think it's it's just a place for him. Yeah, the Bears are a mess. The 49ers yeah. are a mess. And you have the same we, – we all probably should do a play. – we'll do a playoff preview next week, I think. But, you know, the same team, same four teams are in the same in the playoffs again. You know, with the exception of, like, you know, the Cardinals and the Broncos and the Panthers crapping out, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty much the same teams you'd expect. And that's not exciting much. anymore. You know? No, I, I'm not excited about, you know, the Patriots winning the division again and probably going to the Super Bowl. Like, it's probably going to be like the, the Cowboys and the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And I have no idea where I would even want to stand on that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's a honestly, shame. like, it, it pains me to say so as a Cardinals fan. But I think given the choice between the two, I'd have to root for the Cowboys just because yeah. of how, how much fun, you know, Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott are to watch. And the fact that, you know, I'm an Ohio State fan, so I like watching Zeke succeed as much as he has. And I love Jason Witten, so there's not that many likable guys in the, the Patriots roster. And I fucking no. hate Bill Belichick, despite the fact that he is, you know, a sinister genius when it comes to football. But, yeah, that's that's not a Super Bowl I'm looking forward to seeing, really. I was actually hoping the Raiders might pull an upset, but if Derek Carr is out, that's yeah. not happening. Yeah, I, I was kind of hoping they were going to, you know, make some noise, go to the playoffs, and, you know, kind of do something. But... They lost Derek Carr. Like that's that's the keystone of their that entire hurts. team. And with with yeah, it sucks. You like know, I feel really bad for we, them. We we have been there as Cardinal fans. We have been there. It is oh yeah, the amount of uh, I don't know like uh, bargaining going on the Kubler Ross stages of grief happening out here. <laughs> it's just it's like guys, you, you you're done. Okay, but you know what? Carr is good. You know he's a good young quarterback. Khalil Mack seems to be coming into a zone in the league. Mario Cooper's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. You guys, you know, every year's as different as, as we've seen, but, you know, you got to feel good about your place in the universe right now. Oh, of course, you're probably going to Las Vegas next year, so what yeah. the fuck? That sucks. But anyway, well, might as well end it here. So that was a good fourth and crawl. Um, thanks again for listening. Shares and likes appreciated. And, uh, yeah, this week, because I was so late on Christmas, you get two podcasts this week. Be thankful. Anyway, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you all very much. Bye. Thank you.